This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 106 for Friday, 4th of October 2019. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each episode we'll discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. I'm going to do this episode by myself because, well, you know, it's Friday afternoon, and about two weeks have passed since the last episode, and I'm feeling like there's stuff we probably want to discuss. And the longer that it goes, the beautifully crafted uh, podcast that I had prepared for last Friday before it was thwarted slightly by the presence of small children who are at this very moment fast asleep thereby enabling me to talk on the podcast without background children is now a week old and less relevant so we'll sort of mention some of the u.s stuff because i've grabbed the quotes i've grabbed the audio and i want to play it's just horrific and also because then it's leading it and now it hasn't actually finished because it's now led into the whole um, discovery about how Morrison is more than happy to do whatever, whatever he can for his mate and happy to throw the Australian interests under the bus to help one side of American politics because if that's not going to be very risky for Australia if Trump is kicked out, if he is impeached, if they do lose. Anyway, that stuff's still sadly relevant. But I suppose we'd better talk about the new stuff first. The first of which is the news today that the private health lobby is trying to get us to adopt the American-style system of having healthcare provided by employers on the basis that their business model is failing. They're like, well, I mean, what about this? You didn't like the idea that, that we came up with a couple of months ago where we were just going to ask the government to make private health insurance compulsory and you had to pay it, and then we would dole it out to the poor people you know, in our own way. So basically the same as having a system where you pay taxes to go towards healthcare that subsidizes the poor, except the private health industry is pointlessly shoved in the middle to make a cut. That was their, that was their idea. That didn't, that didn't fly. So apparently now, yeah, according to today's Australian, there is now this push by the people who would profit from it for uh, employer-paid healthcare. Hopefully the employer lobby is unimpressed and does not try to take that any further. Hopefully they don't think about it too hard and realise that in the US... What it does is enables them to have ludicrous amounts of control over employees to the point where, you know, employee, I think it was General Motors was uh, withdrew healthcare from uh, workers when they were um, in, engaged in industrial action just very recently. I think it was General, uh, General Motors or General Electric. A general was involved, I'm fairly sure. And then, you know, when people move state, uh, if they move jobs, then they have pre-existing conditions and it doesn't try. It's all a mess. Basically, private healthcare is a mess, but private healthcare through employers is the biggest mess of all. Anyway, that's that's their idea for today. Meanwhile, Scummo's been uh, declaring on the international stage that uh, we shouldn't be, we being Australia, shouldn't be 
uh, held back by, quote, negative globalism. Now, what's negative globalism? Negative globalism is not when uh, large multinational companies uh, get to control governments, like through the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, through the uh, investor-state dispute system. Like, those sorts of uh, things are fine. When money wants to control uh, countries, that's fine. When uh, bodies that Scummer is part of want to control other countries, that's fine. Uh, now, what he's talking about is uh, when there are UN bodies that tell him uh, that he shouldn't be doing what he's doing in relation to A, climate change, and B, refugees. Hence his uh, rant to the Lowy Institute last night, warning against negative globalism uh, and an un- decisions by an unaccountable internationalist bureaucracy at odds with the will of the Australian people. Now, um, Scummo is defining the will of the Australian people as uh, supporting his government, despite the fact that he has, what, a one-seat majority in one of the Houses of Parliament uh, that he obtained on a minority of the vote. A majority of Australians voted against his party, uh, and yet he considers that, uh, that, that, is, that his ideas are the will of the people. Just laughable. Anyway, you know what I want to chat about? Uh, things that are probably so outrageous that you've already heard them and, and are already outraged by them. But look, let's, let's just keep a record of them. So I'm guessing that you heard that the Families and Social Services Minister Anne Ruston... Uh, went to a forum in Murray Bridge this week, and the minister in charge of administering social security declared. Well, this much. Oh, no, I can't play the audio because it's it's uh, only as reported in the Murray Valley Standard. But when put to her that uh, the payments for parents and uh, unemployed people are too low, Senator Rustin argued that increasing the rate of Newstart was a simplistic solution to challenging problems. Like, not having enough money. Weirdly, people who are on Newstart not having enough money, raising the rate is a simplistic solution to them not having enough money to live. Yes. In the same way as, you know, when I see a traffic light, the simplistic solution is to put on my brake. Yeah, a simplistic approach in the sense that it's the obvious solution. Anyway, um, she said it's a simplistic solution to challenging problems, especially when 35% of taxpayer spending was on welfare. Now, just before we go any further, if you, have you got your tax return back yet? When you do, have a look at the, the bit. Because they, they sent out a thing to try and make you feel outraged that how much of your tax went to welfare. They know that when you see the words welfare, you're thinking unemployed people. Except, of course, their category welfare, the one that is the um, 35% of taxpayer spending, is not uh, not Newstart. Newstart is about 7% of that and falling all the time. It's mainly the age pension. Um, that's almost half of it. And then the rest is like family payments and disability, which again is disability is also falling because they keep kicking people um, off it. So the rest of her rant, which, is, which I'll read you in a second, which is basically just demonising the poor, demonising the unemployed without any facts to back it up, but just... The more they say this shit, the more people don't have sympathy for the unemployed and they can get away with starving them. So this is the minister in charge of administering the uh, payments, the social security, so the safe, social safety net. This is her attitude to the social safety net. We can't just keep on adding money to this bucket because we're not making a difference. Giving people more money would do absolutely nothing. Probably all it would do is give drug dealers more money and give pubs more money. What we need to do, I'll come back to it. What we need to do is take a proactive approach to how we look at social welfare, look at social cohorts and what those cohorts need. And then she ended it with, we've got to be fair to the people who pay for it. So, first thing, just the last thing first. No, the purpose of the social safety net is not 
to be fair to the people who pay it. It's not to be and and be fair to the people who pay it means um, pandered to the prejudices of people listening to Two GB who who are angry about paying for a social safety net. Like that's anyway. That's her, her priority is people who don't want to support uh, very poor people and are frankly perfectly happy for there to be giant holes in the system. Apparently, a proactive approach to how we look at social welfare, social cohorts, and what those cohorts need. What they need is enough to live on, and yeah. Probably all it would do is give drug dealers more money and give pubs more money. That's the minister. There is absolutely no evidence that she's relying on for that assertion. The assertion that that if you if people have an have an amount to live on, if social, well, I mean, is she suggesting that the figures show that when New Start was at a higher rate compared with the cost of living because it's effectively fallen? Because the Howard government paid it to CPI instead of wage increases, which is why the gap between the pension and the and um, New Start continues to grow. Is she suggesting that you know thirty years ago, when it was comparatively, um, or, or if it was hypothetically enough to live on, that a greater proportion was going to drug dealers? What is she talking about? The the government's justification for the drug test thing too, where they're like slightly more people uh, who are on New Start use cannabis than employed people, although substantially fewer people on new start use cocaine anyway there's still a tiny tiny percentage and the idea that we've got to starve the you know 97 percent of people who don't touch drugs who are on new start we've got to punish keep them below subsistence because some people might buy drugs <laughs> what a laughable assertion all this horrible person is doing is demonizing the very people that she effectively has responsibility for whether they can survive or not that is hideous Senator Rustin needs to be forced to resign. The, the, the whole parliament should be an uproar about that. And the fact that it isn't is simply because too many people have bought these dumb lies. If you're unemployed, therefore you must be a drug addict. It's not true. There's no evidence for that. It's bullshit. And and we have the minister getting out there. and Basically, it's a dumpster fire, and we've got another two and a half years of this hideous government. But that that is a point. Like we just that is not a person that you can appeal to um, on the ground on, with any reason. That is a person who has dumb prejudices and is put in place just to be malevolent to the people who are unfortunately um, having their rights destroyed by her. So that's pretty grim. Uh, it's hard, hard to imagine that with a minister like that, things could get any worse for um, people, the many, many Australians who are currently unemployed because there are not enough jobs to go around. Although Peter Dutton had an idea this week, which was that if any of those people happen to have political views and uh, protest against things like Adani, he thinks that they should have their social security payments cut off. Like... How good is this conservative idea? I mean, the idea that you can punish, you know, that they should be able to punish people for protesting against them is, is extraordinary. But the, how good is a conservative idea that you can just keep cutting people off Social Security? Like, again, it's still running their own dumb prejudices. So um, Rustin's like, no, no, people on Newstart are just, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts. And um, Dutton's like, oh, yeah, they're protesters against our mind, but they're just all unemployed bums. Like, many of those people probably do have jobs. But anyway... The idea that the Conservatives had that, that it's an acceptable thing to just starve someone? Like, we'll just cut you off and you have nothing to live on. And what do they think people are going to do? What can people do? Like, if the government's cut you off because for a political reason, you don't have enough food to eat, you don't have shelter, you've been kicked out, what do they think is going to happen when there's a large body of people out there in that situation? I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. Anyway, Australia. Oh, talking of, we've been influencing uh, the mother country this week. So uh, Tony Abbott, 
the person who <laughs> fought against Australia becoming a republic, insisting on us being part, remaining part of the British Commonwealth with a foreign monarch as our head of state. That guy was busy telling Britain uh, that they should definitely not be afraid of becoming independent and being free again, being independent of the EU. So, I mean, staggeringly ironic there. But the one that really got me was that as a result of uh, Tony Abbott's hideous immigration policies, the British Conservatives are trying to apply that brutally there. And the quote there from the British Home Secretary, Priti Patel, was, I have a particular responsibility when it comes to taking back control. It is to end the free movement of people once and for all. And the Tories in that room all applauded loudly. Imagine how broken a person would you have to be to, to hear the words, end the free movement of people once and for all, and applaud it. How is ending the free movement of people a good thing? Why shouldn't people be able to travel around this bloody planet? What, what is wrong with you, you deranged muppet? I, I mean, it's staggering how many of the people who are doing this, um, including Tony Abbott, are people who moved around the planet to another country to set up their lives in a different place. I mean, it's, it would be staggeringly stupid from people who'd never done that, but from people who have actually done that themselves. I was a, a, a um, European TV program got Nigel Farage to admit that basically um, his family had fled from France to, and been taken in by, in by um, the kind people of, of, of the UK. Like, these people have all left... I mean, God, every white Australian, somebody who, who has come in the last couple of hundred years from somewhere else on the planet and come here... How is it that you can conclude... I mean, it's staggering and hypocritical. But even if it wasn't hypocritical, say say we'd all just... You know, it was only a small number of people who, who wanted to move around the world. Why on earth would ending the free movement of people once and for all be a good thing? What is wrong with... How, how xenophobic would you have to be to applaud that? And yeah, as for the, the um, UK Conservatives, quote, uh, introducing an Australian-style points-based immigration system... Isn't it great that the uh, the things that we're exporting around the world are cruelty to refugees and uh, giving countries that don't want to do anything about climate change an excuse? Which also leads uh, to Scummo's remarks to the Law Institute this week where he was complaining about, what do you call it, uh, negative globalism. Now, what's negative globalism? Uh, negative globalism, according to Scummo, that's when, when international institutions demand conformity rather than independent cooperation on global issues. The world works best when the character and distinctiveness of independent nations is preserved within a framework of mutual respect. This includes respecting electoral mandates of their constituencies. We should avoid any reflex towards a negative globalism that coercively seeks to impose a mandate from an often ill-defined, borderless global community, and worse still, an unaccountable internationalist bureaucracy. Now, he was specifically complaining about the UN uh, pushing back on a... Uh, our treatment of refugees in particular at the moment, they've told us that we should stop brutally <laughs> imprisoning that family from Biloela up on Christmas Island. But but generally, they've, they've been critical of our, you know, abandoning of, of basic human rights principles and the way we treat refugees, and also critical of our attitude to action on climate change. I'll get to some of the quotes that I grabbed from earlier, um, but Scummo's response to the climate protests was infuriating. But yeah, so when, when he is talking about negative globalisation, he's specifically talking about when bodies tell him that he should not be doing some of the brutal things that he's doing to refugees or some of the irresponsible things he's doing to the planet's climate. As in, when people tell him that his actions are harmful and dangerous and there should be some limits to them. That is unacceptable because he has an electoral mandate. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's got one more seat 
in the House of Representatives, in one of the two Houses of Parliament here. He's got one more seat than the other side, and uh, he had a minority of people vote for his party. So clearly, you know, he, he, he speaks with moral authority. What a, what a bloke. Anyway, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to Scummo and the stuff I grabbed earlier in the week when I was planning it for last week um, about his US trip. Obviously, the developments since then have been with the revelations that uh, Scummo was happy to throw uh, Alexander Downer under the bus uh, to help the US Republicans. And we've got this whole thing of apparently we have to just do everything we can to keep Trump sweet because Australia needs the US to keep us safe from military threats. And apparently that doesn't mean staying on the good side of the US in general. According to Scummo, and Scummo's actions it seems to mean being really good mates and helping the Republicans politically against the Democrats, as if the Democrats won't ever be in power in the US ever again. So unless Scummo knows something about Trump's plans that we don't, that seems a little bit potentially dangerous for Australia. So look, let's do quickly a, a quick summary of uh, Scummo's trip to, trip to see his mate Trump. I, would, I think mate's probably overselling it. He, uh, Trump, Trump sees a, knows a useful tool when he sees one, I suppose. So Scummer arrived there and he was declaring, uh, what was it, how good is America? Did, did his stupid catchphrase about America. And he got praised by Trump back, who said he was made of titanium. Mr. President, so, the last Australian Prime Minister to receive an official state visit was described by the then President as a man of steel. How do you describe our problems? I would say a man of titanium. <laughs> you know, titanium's much tougher than steel. He's a man of titanium. Believe me, I have to deal with this guy. He's not easy. You might think he's a nice guy, okay? He's a man of, of real, real strength and a great guy. And his wife is lovely. And, and Trump threw him a, a lovely, lovely dinner. And he had his, all his mates there. So he had Jenna Reinhardt and we had the Murdochs and we had... Uh, actually, if you look at the list there, and Nicole Kidman's on or something, but basically, apart from her, I, I don't know what her if she's actually turned into a terrible person or not, but all of the people in there were like nasty, hard-right Australians. Except, not the worst, not the total worst, because uh, Brian Houston from Hillsong, apparently Scummo tried to get him in, and that was refused by, by the White House. So there's a line that Trump will draw. And Houston, Brian Houston, is uh, on the other side of that line. Now, Houston's out at the moment being like, oh, no, there was never any discussion with me about that. I never agreed to that and, and so forth. But when Scummo's asked about it, he just says, um, I don't feel the need to comment. He refuses to come clean on whether or not uh, the reports that he had requested that Brian Houston uh, be at the dinner or not. He refuses to confirm or deny them. So I think we can take that as a fairly clear um, admission that that's in fact true. I don't feel the need to comment is his piss-weak response to that. Why not, you dickhead? It's a reasonable question. Did you or didn't you? If you didn't, deny it. And if you did, admit it. And he also arranged for his mate Paul Murray from Sky After Dark uh, to have that nauseating little, quote, interview with Trump. So, God, this is Paul Murray talking to Trump. We've been beavering away, and I'm very pleased to say that uh, just a few minutes before we came on the air, we had an exclusive conversation with the President of the United States walking straight out from the Oval before he heads into this state dinner and getting ready. He had a quick chat to a bloke from Australia. Mr President, how are you? G'day, Paul Murray. Lovely to meet you, sir. Hey, good. Yes, you had a good day with, uh, with your Aussie mate? With your uh, great Prime Minister. Uh, really something special. We had a special day and right behind you we're having an evening celebrating Australia. 
What, uh, what do you want to say to your many Australian supporters who wish you nothing but the best in November 2020? Well, it's a great country. Uh, I think that it's one of the truly great countries, actually. A beautiful place. I was there, and I was uh, there a couple of times. have a lot of friends there. have a lot of friends here from Australia. And very special people. Very strong, great people. And we're going to have a fantastic night tonight celebrating Australia at the White House. So there it is, just a taste. Uh... Yeah, sorry, I probably should have warned you if you've just eaten not to listen to that until some time has passed. So the other thing that happened was, of course, we had the massive climate protests last week and were very well attended, but they were organised by the kids. And Greta Thunberg, uh, who apparently has managed to infuriate every single Australian right-wing commentator, it's been laughable the amount of hideous shit that's being spewing um, about her. But, uh, weirdly enough, Jason Momoa, um, Cal Drogo and uh, Aquaman, uh, when he came out and made sort of uh, some similar remarks, weirdly enough, the the right-wing commentary in Australia hasn't really got stuck into him the same way. Yeah, something about a a 16-year-old girl telling them to pull their heads in that that, uh, certain commentators really can't can't swallow. Anyway, the world's kids and a lot of adults who are also outraged about by what we're uh, not doing to address climate change, had that massive protest. And Scummo, who also uh, didn't go to the... Well, he was literally in the US. He was not far from, from New York. He wasn't far from where the UN was having the climate conference and he just refused to go. Uh, went to a book factory opening or something instead. Now, his incredibly infuriating remarks uh, about the protests and about what cling, uh, about kids... Um, I'll play in just a moment, but before I do that, I'm actually going to play you... Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Scummo went on, on that the kids' news program um, on the ABC called Behind the News, and uh, it was on where he declared that his favourite character was Aquaman, I think, before Jason Momoa dared to say something positive about climate change. But he, he, he said that his favourite superhero was uh, Aquaman. That, there was a bit of talk about that, but um, the one that grabbed me was this audio of him lying to kids asking him about his action on climate change. Are you going to do anything about climate change? Tough question. Yeah, no, we are. I mean, first of all, our, you know, the emissions, as they're called, uh, per person in Australia is at the lowest level in 29 years. We have the highest investment in renewable energy in Australia per person of any country in the world today. And we've made commitments to the rest of the world, first of all, to meet by next year what's called the Kyoto targets. We're going to meet, in fact, we're going to beat those targets by what is over 360 million tonnes. So we've been doing the work. We've been changing the way our economy runs. We've been changing the things we do in our economy. And by 2030, um, 10 years, just over 10 years from now, we're going to meet the next commitment we made for Paris. All right. Okay, so first of all, all that's bullshit. The only reason he uses per capita there is because Australia's population has grown, but it's still very small. And so he picks the period that cover when the carbon price was in. And the carbon price did see emissions fall. They've been going up against deadly since the coalition had been in place. So this idea that his government's putting in policies that will, will address the problem is just laughable bullshit. It's been getting worse consistently here. And, and, and you've heard the, um, the audio of Angus Taylor on Insiders a couple of months ago, where he was trying to pretend that one month, which had a slight variance, where it um, was contrary to the trend, that that was that made up for everything else that's all around it. Well, yeah, no, Australia. The, the, when they, you're talking about the emissions, the coalition will never want to talk about per capita emissions because, of course, Australia's per capita emissions are um, like the highest in the world. 
But when you're talking about reductions, then they want to use per capita. So the bottom line is Australia's got a relatively small population. So if you want the, big, the figures to seem bigger, then you use per capita. Now, I would say that per capita is extremely relevant in the case of emissions because we can't turn around to the other countries of the world and be demanding that they act more seriously on climate change when per person we are substantially worse than they are. We can't exactly turn around to China and say, you need to cut your emissions when uh, each Chinese person is emitting a fraction of what we are. We need to get our emissions down so then we can turn to the bigger countries and say, you need to do the same. So I would say per capita is very relevant on that. But in terms of our reductions of emissions, per capita is just a way to make our paltry lack of effort seem more significant than it is. And yes, the fundamental dishonesty of his answer to the to VTN there was the suggestion that any lowerings are as a result of his government, as opposed to being undone by his government and being the result of the policy that, that um, he and Tony Abbott destroyed when they came in in 2013. So he was lying to them a couple of weeks ago, and in response to the Day of Climate Action, he was also patronising. I want children going up in Australia to feel positive about their future. And I think it's important that we give them that confidence that they will not only have a wonderful country and pristine environment to live in, Daya! but they'll also have an economy that they can live in as well. Daya! And so I would, I think we've got a caution against raising the anxieties of children in our country. Yeah, we've got to deal with the policy issues and we've got to take it seriously. But I don't want our children um, having anxieties about these issues. I've got a 10 and 12 year old child myself and you know we don't have deep conversations about emissions reduction targets and and what's happening at, at the with the Kyoto protocol and and Paris but we talk about fossil fuels and and we talk about what they learn at school and I encourage them to have a passionate independent view about how they see the world but I also give them a lot of context I don't allow them uh, to be um, basically um, contorted into one particular view. I like them to make up their own mind, uh, but I also like to give them reassurance because the worst thing I would impose on any child is needless anxiety. They have enough things to be anxious about. I've always liked kids to be kids. And we've got to let kids be kids. Uh, we can't have them sort of growing up as mushrooms either. But at the same time, I think we've got to get a bit of context and perspective into this. We're taking action on climate change. Daya! We're meeting our targets. Daya! We're planning for Australia's future. Daya! Australia's best days are ahead of it. And young children growing up in Australia should feel great about Australia's future. Daya! I do. I feel great about my future for my children, our children as Australians. And uh, whatever challenges come our way, we'll deal with them. Daya! Right. So first, I should have mentioned earlier, the, the character thing is that we're only going to hit it by using by an accounting trick of using a some credits from an earlier program, which was not under this government, to try and to, to fudge our numbers. So emissions are actually going to be worse. We're going to miss it easily. But Australia, the Libs are going to be trying to use this accounting trick to claim that they've actually achieved it. But yeah, last thing you want is uh, children to be anxious. Uh, well, presumably he doesn't care about the Biloela kids. Uh, he's perfectly happy with them being anxious. And presumably you know, he's not talking about the kids that he's trying to frighten about um, African gangs or refugees refugees or terrorists or um, taxes. <laughs> the idea that, that, that they don't want to uh, scare kids and they want kids to just be happy like his kids. I mean, you know, his kids, he's, he's got, you know, he's the prime minister and um, he's comfortable that uh, his kids' future um, as the uh, beneficiaries of whatever um, he's able to screw all aside will be fine. I think, I think that most of the other kids are quite conscious that the economy is getting worse and worse, uh, that their opportunities are screwed, that they'll never own houses, uh, that unemployment is appalling, that they're, they're going to, if they do uh, go and have a tertiary education, they are going to be um, saddled with enormous debt. Oh, 
Which reminds me, I, I didn't add this to the running sheet, but I've just remembered. Did you see the bit where they were trying to put pressure on people to, to uh, not go to university but to go and do trades because he thought that people who went wanted to go to university, they were, they were job snobs. And uh, you, like, you, could you have anything that was more classist and, jo- and snobbish and, and demeaning than people who had had the privilege of university saying to other people, oh, no, you shouldn't want to go to university. Um, no, no, you, you should just go and do, you can do trades. Like he's, he's specifically putting a tier there between university education and trades. He's not treating them as equals. He's saying this is a high thing, but you shouldn't be snobs and want that higher thing. But th- who is he saying who should give up on university? Is he saying nobody should go to university or is he just saying that the children of the rich should go to university and everybody else should miss out? Like you could not get anything more classist than that. And he's somehow able to fudge that through. So it sounds like he's on the side of the working person. He's on the side of ordinary Australians who didn't go to university. No, he's not. He's turning around to you and saying, your kids shouldn't go to university. He's turning around and saying, it's, it's just for people like him. It couldn't be snobby. It couldn't be worse. But yeah, and then as for... The kids, kids are um, anxious about the prospect for the, you know, the planet being habitable. Or in fact, uh, it, it, not just um, generally habitable, but uh, you know, they're not being terrifying movement, political movements uh, incentivized by... Uh, worsening conditions as, you know, fascists run amok as hey, something we have to be worried about, literal fascists again. All sorts of terrible things uh, happen as, as uh, conditions get worse and worse. But for him to be turning around and, and telling kids they shouldn't be anxious about it, they should just trust him on it. I mean, what kind of idiot would trust Scummo? What, they they should just ignore the sign? Oh, I mean, the whole thing that they were saying on the week before the protest is that they should be in school learning. Oh, and also, what was the other line? They, they were only going to the protests in order to get a day off school. If they just wanted the day off school, why would they go to the protest? They just say they were going to the protest. It's not like you could see that they were there. Like, if they weren't keen on actually acting in relation to climate change, they wouldn't have gone to the protest at all. They'd have stayed home and twiddled their thumbs. Like, if you genuinely wanted to not go to school because you wanted to have a day off, there's much more relaxing things to do than going to a bloody protest. And talking of protests that we probably have to attend, uh, even though it's infuriating that we have to, there are protests against the government's hideous religious discrimination legislation coming up on, uh, there's one on the 12th of October, so Saturday week in Sydney. Uh, the Melbourne one's uh, two weeks later on the 26th of October. Uh, check out which one is coming up in your capital city. The submissions were due earlier in the week. Uh, hopefully everybody put a submission in, even if it was just a paragraph saying, yeah, no, this is a terrible idea. But yes, I think we all have to get back out on the streets again for that, even though... It's like back in you know 2004 when we had to go out and march because they insisted on discriminating against LGBTI people in relation to marriage law, and we're having to do it again. It's infuriating that we have to do this, but we do because this kind of power grab is really damaging to the most vulnerable people in our community. Um, and if you want a selfish reason for opposing it, uh, when they get these powers, they never stop there. All right, so that was fairly depressing. But there was some good news in the fortnight. Uh, we had uh, abortion finally passed in New South Wales to the uh, great sadness of the far-right fundamentalist bigots and the ACT decriminalised cannabis for small amounts, prompting great outrage from the far-right lunatics in the federal government who don't normally enforce uh, federal drug laws in relation to people just using them in states and territories because usually they leave that up to the state and territory police. But if the ACT police aren't going to pursue it, it sounds like the federal government is going to assume, what, the AFP after enforcing their drug laws? Scummo said that uh, they would think about it. Greg Hunt, the health minister, said, oh, I'm, I'm very concerned. On the health side, I'm very concerned. It's a very significant mental health risk, which is nonsense. McCormack, 
the Deputy Prime Minister, lunatic uh, far-right fringe nutcase from Wagga, Michael McCormack. Here's the ACT government probably spending too much time smoking hooch themselves than wanting to legalise the stuff. I mean, this is madness, he said. And Peter Dutton said, uh, I think it might be trendy for the ACT government to go down this path, and they'll say they're enlightened and progressive and all the rest of it, but I think it's dangerous. And uh, Porter, the uh, Attorney General, said, oh, I think this is a really dumb idea, and, and warned people that Commonwealth laws apply. But look, they're all a pack of fringe nutters who, who are only speaking to the people who have bought for the, their entire lives that uh, cannabis is bad and a dangerous drug. And... Far worse than alcohol, which it clearly isn't. I mean, have you ever heard of somebody going... Uh, you know, you hear of, of alcohol-fueled violence? Have you ever heard of cannabis-fueled violence? Clearly, cannabis has useful um, uh, medical effects and, and useful people. And unfortunately, the way that we seem to be legalising medical cannabis in Victoria makes it hideously expensive. Uh, it's like, what, $600 for a... It was, it's madness. It's basically unaffordable for people. It's not subsidised either. Like, it's uh, basically unaffordable for people who need it. So... For a thing that is a plant that grows, that people could quite comfortably grow and use for the, and medicine, you know manage their own use of, and we have to turn it into a policing criminal matter. Anyway, good on the ACT for doing that. I mean, good on good on McCormack and, and Hunt and and uh, Dutton for playing to type uh, and just speaking to the people who've got the same dumb prejudices that they do. I do like Dutton referring to you know following the general medical consensus on the subject as being enlightened and progressive and all the rest of it. Yeah, what's wrong with people being unenlightened and fringe right-wing cranks and all the rest of it? That's that's what our government's about. How dare you try and be enlightened and progressive? Anyway, so look, there's some, some good news. Thank goodness for that, because the rest of it's thoroughly depressing. What can we do about it? Well, if I'd managed to get this podcast out before Tuesday, what you could have done about the religious discrimination stuff is I could have reminded you to put in a submission, but it's a bit late now. What can we do about the other stuff? Well, we can keep we can keep calling, but it's been very reassuring to see that every time the government tries to run these people on New Start are bludgers and they're drug addicts, and like there's enough pushback now. Even you know commercial TV stations using the term "doll bludgers" have to apologise for it. So it's those prejudices are out there, and every time the government turns around and does these things, it's not it's partly used as a justification for what they want to do, but it's also partly just continuing to spread the the line and connecting it in the minds of the audience who believes that already, reinforcing this notion of people who are unemployed as being undeserving and deserving whatever the government does to them. Um, but it is reassuring that we're sort of waking up to that, and, and I suppose the best thing we can be doing is continuing to call bullshit on it. When people use terms like that, turn around and be like, no, there, there are so many fewer jobs than the number of people who are trying to get them. It is not possible for all those people to get jobs. So why are you, you insisting on starving them? And calling bullshit on the idea, and even if, if somebody did use cannabis, so what? Why, why does it... Most people would be saying that, would be perfectly happy to have a drink after work or something. Like, why? Who are they to police other people's pleasures? Like, why do they think that's a thing that they should get to do? They're lucky enough to be on a substantially higher income and to be able to live substantially more comfortably. What kind of dickhead wants to deny pleasure to other people just out of spite? What kind of dickhead wants to stop people moving around the planet out of spite? I just reckon that the more that we call bullshit in this... Like, people don't like feeling stupid, and people don't like feeling like they're looking like dickheads. And if we point out to people who are saying these sorts of things, if we just call them on, like, I don't get why you want other people to suffer. I don't get why... Why does it matter to you? Would you want people who are richer than you to be telling you what you can do? Why is that a thing that you, you want to do? 
I feel like I feel like a lot of the discourse that gets punched through is so stupid and has so many obvious holes in it that there is some value in us talking to the people who are spouting that shit casually who don't think about it. And I, sp- I think that isn't that part of the whole point of people like Rustin and Dutton throwing these connections into people's brains is for people who aren't really thinking about it. They don't really know the people affected, so it's easy for them to sort of buy into some prejudices or have prejudices that have been fed over many years, little by little, to have them reinforced. But that doesn't mean that they can't be pulled out of those prejudices with a bit of clarity. And I think that that a lot of that stuff is, it's all in the sense of it's not particularly deeply, it's, it's probably deeply felt, but not deeply thought through. And people can be detached from it with, with some sharp points, I think. So... It feels like that's where we need to go. But I'm, I'm glad, and also pushing back in publicly so that it becomes, and it's kind of nice on Facebook the other day, where somebody was pointing out, where somebody's like, why, why are you bothering arguing with these, I don't know, I've forgotten what issue it was, but why are you arguing with these these um, nasty right-wing um, things on this stuff? Why, you know, they're not, you're not going to change their minds. They, it's what they firmly believe, and it doesn't matter what you say, they're not going to stop believing that. And I, and I, I don't think that's entirely right because I think people do change their minds when, when, when they hit a bit of like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. But their point that the cartoon made um, was, yeah, but it's also there for the people who are affected to see that they're not alone on it, that there's some solidarity there. Yeah, if somebody's out there bashing trans people. And, yeah, good work, New South Wales Greens, for publishing a transphobic article in your newsletter um, this month. That's, yeah, I, I know you've apologised and you're, you're digging into the process to find out how that happened, but seriously, there are too many turfs and swerfs in the Greens and uh, that's something that really needs to be tackled to the point where that sort of accident doesn't happen again because the party's made it very clear to everybody who's publishing those sorts of newsletters that that stuff is contrary to Greens values and won't be... It's not going to be put out there. I assume if somebody had come out there and started advocating to, you know, abolish trade unions or, you know, for the Adani mine, the people who are publishing the newsletter would have noticed. So the problem is that somebody in that in that process clearly was unaware of of uh, the the issue and what the Greens' position on it is. But yeah, so somebody's bashing um, trans people, like yeah, sure, arguing back against them isn't going to necessarily change their minds. But the important thing is for the trans people to see that. That's not just being let through to the keeper. Like it's very important for vulnerable people to know that the, the, the dialogue attacking them—they're not the only people who object to it. That they're subjected to more broadly. So anyway, I think we can keep doing that, and I think that's where we shall leave it for this week. Um, thank you for coming back. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. I am sorry that we didn't get an episode out in the last fortnight. It has really been a situation of illness and children, and it's been uh, a little bit difficult. But we're back, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you, Alex, for the artwork, and Robin Gray for the music. And we'll see you then. Bye.